Hello, hello. Welcome to Future First Softball Second. I'm Quincy, your podcast host and owner of Diamond Dynamics Softball. I am a former D1, D2, and D3 college coach, education and athletic administration major, and D2 pitcher. Our goal at Diamond Dynamics is to support families and athletes with college planning as they work to truly find their best fit athletically, academically, financially, and emotionally at the next level. We've worked with hundreds of families across the country through our individual group and team programming, and I'm so happy you're a part of our community too. Check out the show notes for ways to connect with us and learn from us, and I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions after listening to this episode. I wanted to jump on and chat about all things off-season since it's December now, which is crazy. I cannot believe 2023 went by as fast as it did. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Quincy. I own Diamond Dynamics Softball. I'm also a former D1, D2, and D3 college coach. I love podcasting with you all. So it's a way where I take my experiences from being a college coach, things that my athletes are going through right now that are in our one-on-one college planning program, um, things I'm chatting with current college coaches about out at tournaments, and as I'm chatting with them about my athletes, and really just share information with you all. Because there's so much misinformation out there. Um, Again, I talk about this a lot as far as like college planning. A lot of the advice out there on the internet is more geared towards like football players and basketball players who have different rules than we do. Um, They're headcount sports, not equivalency sports. And there's just so much of a mess out there on the internet for you guys that I kind of want to jump on and hopefully be a breath of fresh air of softball specific, you know, kind of raw, honest, sometimes unpopular thoughts and advice on the process and things that you guys are going through and hopefully helping you as you navigate all of this crazy as a family. So yeah, like I said, wanted to jump on and talk off season. This is somewhat of a controversial time of year, just because so many people are the grind never stops. Go, go, go. Like this is where champions are made. No days off. Like that whole like big social media push right now um, is not my thing, which if you guys have been in my world for a little bit, you know, that's not my thing. (laughs) And I'm a really big believer in working smarter, not always harder. There are absolutely times of the year where we are like grinding, all softball all the time, nose to the ground, right? This is not one of them. This is one of those work smarter instead of harder times where we get really strategic work in. So you guys are still progressing relationships with college coaches. You're still progressing as athletes physically, mentally, all of that. But I also want you guys to take a breath and be a kid and be a human being too, right? We are people before we are softball players. And the off season is a great time to like just reset and chill out a little bit and remember that you're a human too (laughs) and not just an athlete that's trying to play in college and connect with coaches and do 9 million different things correctly to do all of that and all that crazy. So the first thing I want to jump into is off season camps. And I feel like I absolutely talk camps to death, whether it's with my athletes on social media, but it's one of the biggest ways that families spend money and really waste money when it comes to the process, which sucks, right? And many of you have probably already and will continue to get those mass email winter camp invites. And all of my athletes are getting them. That's a big part of what I do for our athletes is chat about camps, what's worth going to, what's not, what's a true camp invite, what's a mass email, things like that. Um, And I recently had a parent ask in a conversation how kids are getting so much mail and email from college coaches, especially when they aren't at the age that coaches can actually communicate with them yet. 
in the age of the internet, it makes it really easy for coaches to get your contact information and your athletes' contact information, right? And one of the biggest ways coaches do this is there's actually a feature on the college coach login and kind of the back end of most of those large recruiting service websites where coaches can click a couple buttons and download contact info for athletes. So if you have any kind of profile with those large recruiting services, even just the free one that you created like back in middle school, coaches can literally go in and be like, download all of the 2025 emails or whatever it might be. Another big way that coaches get your contact information is at showcases. So coaches are giving out booklets that your travel ball coaches are submitting, you know, your name, your grade, your position, your email, your phone number, where you're from. Your travel ball coach actually submits all of that for college coaches to get at those showcases. And a lot of times after a tournament, the coach takes that booklet and they'll give it to um, an assistant, an intern, a student worker. This is something I did as a college coach too. And that person will actually upload all of that contact information into their specific camp database. There's another way that happens that I don't love and is super unethical, but some of those large for-profit camp companies will pay college coaches a base amount and then actually add commission for those college coaches for each athlete that attends their camp based off that coach's specific letter or email. Um, you know, I think sometimes we really glorify and kind of romanticize the idea of being a college coach. Coaches are not paid well. Um, so for me, like my first job, I was a part-time assistant making $5,000 a year and was literally giving lessons to pay rent and scrape by. Um, my first full-time, and I put that in quotes, college coaching job, I made 30000 a year, right? So still like working 9 million hours a week, all of that stuff. So for coaches, a lot of times these camp opportunities are ways that they supplement their income to really be able to pay their bills and survive, which is kind of crazy. So basically what these big camp companies do is they'll have that coach write the letter or the email, and then they send it to you on that coach's behalf. So this is why um, some athletes are getting mail at their high school if the company doesn't have your home address. So a lot of my kids will say, oh my gosh, I got this letter from my guidance counselor at school today. Like all these coaches are going to be at this camp. They want to recruit me. They want me to come. And then we have that tough conversation of, okay, if a coach wants to recruit you, why is that letter not coming directly from that coach? Why is, you know, the email that you're receiving from that coach, not from their school email and is from like a no reply at marketing email or whatever it is. Right. And looking at some of those finer details to see, okay, is this true interest or is this, you know, the company blasting out that coach's letter or whatever it is. And along with this, camps are really easy, low hanging fruit when it comes to fundraising. So most college coaches are told they have to fundraise a certain amount of money to support their program. And whether it's to help with the spring break trip, whether it's to help with field upgrades or whatever else the program might need. And many coaches keep a camp contact database separate from their top recruits database for this specific reason. Because if they can make, you know, $10,000 across the year hosting camps and clinics, that's $10,000 less they have to send out their fundraising letters and hope friends and family are donating. So while almost every athlete who commits to a school has been to at least one camp at their school, it's just a different experience and invite when you're personally invited to a camp versus just sent a mass email that goes out to hundreds of thousands of other athletes. And so many times we see college coaches like broadcasting or kind of marketing their camps as every recruit in this class has been to camp. 
Well, that's because they're usually on a visit or personally invited. So generally when athletes who are at the top of their lit recruiting list and list of athletes attend camp, they're also invited on an unofficial visit the day before or after, a meeting with the coach, lunch with the team, a sit down with admissions, meeting with a professor in your major, things like that. And if you're just attending the camp and getting a group tour that's offered to everyone at the camp, you really don't know where you stand with that coach yet, or if you're even really on their list. And this, of course, is more focused towards like those 24s and 25s. If you're a 2026 20, or younger, unfortunately, coaches can't or don't go as in-depth on communication and visits just yet. And for this reason, I generally suggest that younger athletes attend clinics with multiple coaches attending so that you can start to get kind of on radars and then narrow down based on coaches who are showing you interest to go to their single coach on-campus clinics later. Um, another thing that is kind of like driving me insane about camps lately is in the last two or three years, they seem to be popping up more and more literally days before or after holidays. So over the past couple of years, I've seen like Black Friday camps. I've seen New Year's Day camps. I've seen camps on like December 27th. And almost every single college coach talks about prioritizing family time and still being a kid and taking breaks. So when that same college coach chooses to host a camp right around the holidays, it's basically the opposite of that. And I totally get that scheduling can be tough. I've been there. You're fighting, you know, for indoor space. You're fighting with basketballs who get priority this time of year and wrestling and all of that. But when that happens and you see coaches pop in who, you know, maybe are really active on social media about family time and things like that, and then host a camp really close to a holiday, it's just a good little red flag for you guys to kind of dig deeper and maybe ask some more questions about like their culture and their values and things like that as you go into creating more of a relationship with that coach. Um, and that's not every coach. I just think that's something to be more aware of, especially this time of year in the winter when you do have a lot of time from November to February that's not right around the holidays. Let's transition more to off-season communication with college coaches. And off-season communication can be so hard because there isn't much to talk about, right? And so many times athletes are like, I know I need to be sending emails. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. Like, especially here in the Northeast where I am, like, it's cold, it's dark early. Like, what the heck am I supposed to talk about? So we suggest reaching out to coaches every three to four weeks in the off-season, whether it's sharing academic updates, even just some quick unedited unedited video clips from lessons, practices, really whatever you've been working on, um, pre-camp and post-camp emails, and even just a quick little holiday well wishes to stay in their inbox. And that off-season communication is going to be especially important for those 2026s who are really working to create relationships with coaches that can't communicate back to you yet at the D1 and the D2 level, which is really hard sometimes, right? And I often hear from parents of underclassmen that they're waiting to focus on coach communication until coaches can actually talk with their athlete. And my question for them is always, if a coach doesn't know an athlete exists, how are they going to reach out, right? And that's one of the biggest myths when it comes to college planning, connecting with coaches, all of that, is that coaches are just going to find a good athlete, right? And yes, that does happen once in a while. A coach shows up to watch a kid on team A who reached out, who's going through the process, and they find a kid on team B that they're playing who's just a great fit, they're a major fit, they're an amazing human, they're a good athlete, and they reach out to the kid on team B too, even though they're there to watch the kid on team A. But that really doesn't happen as often as you think it would, especially when there are 
six to eight complexes, 200 plus teams at events, things like that. And along with that, are you really willing to risk being able to play in college on hoping a coach comes to your field? Right. And so often the kids who are doing the work and the communicating and the reaching out are the ones who are seeing those same coaches at their fields in the summer because coaches want to connect with kids who want to be at their school right? It's really easy for a coach to tell the difference of an email that's been copied and pasted 9 million times and just sent out to every school the kid can think of versus the kid who very strategically picks schools based on what major they want, based on what they're looking for in a school, based on location and, you know, radius from home and things like that, right? Coaches want to coach kids and have kids at their campuses that are genuinely excited to be at that campus specifically and not just genuinely genuinely excited to play college softball somewhere, right? There's a big difference there. Um, and kind of going along with that and back to my 2026s, the off season and the high school season is a great way to connect with D2 coaches, especially for 26s, who can start communicating with you on June 15th of sophomore year to really start to get on their radar, start to share with information with them about you and all of that. And even those D1 coaches who can communicate with you September 1st of junior year, that's really not that far away. So if you're a sophomore right now, a 2026, the next time D2 coaches are really going to see you play live in a game is after they can talk to you. So a lot of D2 coaches were starting to evaluate kids this past fall to get ready to make phone calls on June 15th and start communicating with those kids. But if you're an athlete who didn't send emails all fall and didn't reach out to those coaches, they probably don't know you exist. So the off season and high school season is a great time to start connecting with those coaches and sharing information about yourself so that you can get on their radar to come watch play this summer. So for 2025s who don't have any offers yet coming out of the fall, Expanding the schools who you are communicating with this offseason is going to be extremely important. And I say this a lot, but no response from a coach is still a response because it tells you that you're not at the top of their list, right? So we have a 2025 who does everything right. She sends her emails. She does a great job, but she went all fall without a response from the eight to 10 coaches she was consistently reaching out to and was extremely frustrated. And we really worked the month of November to expand the list of schools she was connecting with. And now going into December, she has three solid offers headed into the holidays, right? And some of those offers are that she's kind of looking at more as backup plans and things like that, that aren't like the best fit for her, which is 100% okay too. But by expanding her list of schools, she's now much less panicked because she's communicating with some coaches instead of just always communicating to coaches. And that's always my big question when athletes tell me, oh, I'm communicating with, you know, 15 schools right now. Like I'm, I'm doing a great job. I'm doing everything right. Like I'm sending my emails. And my question is always, are you communicating with them or are you just communicating to them? Because if you're not getting responses from those coaches past that just mass email, come to my camp, come to my camp that we talked about earlier in the podcast, then you're not really communicating with them and you're just communicating to them. So I also often get asked about the 2027s. So you guys who are freshmen, because for so many of you, it feels so early to be thinking about all of this and really starting the process. And we work pretty closely with some 2027s right now. 
And our 2027s are still reaching out to coaches. They're going through the same exact process as our 25s and 26s are, which shocks people sometimes, but it's really just on a smaller scale. And for most 27s, it's more about getting comfortable with the process and learning how to manage everything than it is truly connecting with coaches yet, right? The more practice, in quotation marks, an athlete has with the process, the more comfortable they are when coaches are truly evaluating them and starting to make offers. And I actually had um, this conversation with a parent uh, this week in our facility, and we were chatting and we had met about our college planning program. And he was like, you know, like, we want to do it. My kid's not quite ready yet. Like, I understand the value and I am a no pressure human. I'm like, great. Like, you tell me when we want to get started. Like, let's talk about, you know, when it starts to become too late, things like that. And one of the comments he made to me was watching this 2024 go through this process. We started a little bit later, right? She came into our program um, in July or August going into senior year. So we were playing a little bit of catch up, right? And he was like, everybody says, do it on your own. Everybody says you can wait till junior year, whatever it is. And he was like, watching this kid and this family go through the process made me realize that we do need help and we do need to start a little bit earlier. And that piece for 2027s is you want to go to a camp. And if you absolutely like bomb it and are just terrible, nobody's going to judge you because you're a 2027. And that coach is going to go, you know what? She's really young and I'm really glad she came and like got her nervousness out at my camp, right? And we can we can grow and she'll get better and move on and all of that. Whereas if that kid waits to go to that camp until she's a junior or a senior and is just as nervous and that coach is truly evaluating her, whether she's going to be a good fit for that college team or not, that coach isn't going to take a chance on that super nervous kid that maybe doesn't perform. But that freshman that's super nervous and struggles and is just like very overwhelmed has a few more years still to really develop as an athlete, develop as a person, develop some more confidence in those settings, get used to talking to college coaches and all of that. And I think that's the value of starting to dip your toe in the whole college planning world, the coach communication world as a 2027 is it makes you a much more confident and much more prepared upperclassman to go through the process when it truly does start to matter and you really are evaluated on your confidence, on your performance at camps and things like that. So let's jump into off-season workouts and practices. And I love going to the NCAA rulebook when we talk about this hot and usually controversial, although it really shouldn't be topic, um, but for November and December leading up to final exam week, D1 and D2 softball players are in eight-hour weeks. They get four hours of softball and four hours of strength and conditioning. And that is it. And usually coaches are doing those in like one to two hour increments. They're never sitting there for like four hours of like continuous, okay, we're going to practice for two hours and then lift for two hours, right? D3 players are in optional workouts and most schools will still be running some type of captain's practice or athlete run workouts of some kind. So why are travel ball teams still practicing three, four days a week, hosting marathon Sunday practices? when there are literally rules at the next level, so this doesn't happen. There are also rules that during the fall final exam week, college coaches are not allowed to have any contact athletically with their kids, right? Most coaches send out the, hey, good luck on finals, you know, if you need to stop by the office. Like, I know coaches who keep sweet treats in their office during exam week for their kids and say, stop by, you know, jump and jump in and use the Keurig. I brought in extra K-cups for you guys. Um, 
you know, a lot of times coaches will host their holiday parties right before finals week for the kids, but there is zero softball contact, right? And I am a really big believer that if they're doing that at the college level, why aren't we doing that at the high school level? Right. And obviously the spring season is different because a lot of times final exam week in the spring overlaps with postseason play or the last week of the regular season or whatever it is. But especially in the fall, when you guys really don't get that big break as athletes, right? We get a couple of days for Thanksgiving. Some schools do a couple of days for fall break, but you don't have that big spring break in the middle of the semester. Like the fall is a long, long time of academic, heavy, intense work. And even for high school kids, like exam week, things like that, I'm a big believer in just like take that week off of practice and let your kids work on their own, go to lessons, you know, jump in the gym and do what they can because that's what they're doing at the college level. Most schools are also sending their athletes home over break with a workout plan and kind of give them idea of what they want from them softball reps wise. But a lot of coaches also say like, hey, you know the expectation in the spring we had our end of fall meeting. We talked about, you know, what your role is projected to be in the spring. And it's really up to you to either keep that role. Or if you don't like the role we kind of gave you at the end of the fall with your evaluation, what are you going to do over break to make sure that's not your role? So coaches are really giving athletes the opportunity to grow on their own over break and saying like, Hey, like, here's our optional workout plan, you know, get some softball work in, do what you can, things like that. But per the NCAA, nothing while home over winter break can be mandatory. So sometimes coaches and teams will come back early, um, like before classes start for the spring, and they'll start then, and that can obviously be mandatory. But if you're like at home at home, nothing can be mandatory. And even for college athletes going into their spring seasons, their coaches still recognize that family time around the holidays is important. And yes, the work college athletes are doing in the offseason season almost always directly impacts their role during the spring, just like it does for you guys going into high school season usually, right? But again, there are ways to work smarter instead of harder and being strategic, especially during the off season. 20 minutes of focused drill work at home in the garage, the basement, even down your hallway. You know, I just told an athlete earlier today in lessons, like when I was growing up, we had a really big mirror at the end of our hallway upstairs. And I would literally pitch down the hallway towards that mirror, a ball of socks and hit a box on the mirror. Like it doesn't have to be, I'm going to go to this indoor facility and spend $25 to rent a cage and work for an hour and a half, right? You can be just as productive at home doing drill work and being really strategic as you can going and booking a space and getting an hour and a half long workout in. So the other piece is a lot of college coaches actually tell their athletes to take a month off of softball and at least two weeks off of strength and conditioning after their spring season ends. So for high school athletes, a lot of you guys are playing from March to October. So right now, and some of you even into November, so right now is really like the end of your season when you should be taking that break and taking that time off, right? If college athletes are doing it, why aren't you doing it? And I have a lot of people who tell me, well, college athletes have already achieved their goals. They're already playing in college. Like high school athletes don't have the luxury of taking the time off that college athletes do. And for me, I think it's even more important for those high school athletes to take time off because you guys are still growing and developing and you're not necessarily as strong and on the strength and conditioning programs that college athletes are on. So you're much more likely to get hurt. And looking at that, like taking a break is something that a is allowed 
should be encouraged by the people in your circle who are guiding you and helping you throughout this process. And it's really something that you 100% should be doing. And a big part of that is to truly build muscle and to get stronger, your body needs time to heal. Like getting stronger is literally creating little micro tears in your muscles that then heal to create stronger muscles. So if you don't give them the time to heal, how are you realistically going to get stronger? And yes, I know that's super simplified, but you get the point, right? Another piece of it is your brain needs a break. Going back to that like hustle 365 days a year, it's not healthy or productive for anyone, regardless of age, sport, whatever. Um, Whether you're an adult, a college athlete, a high school athlete, literally everyone needs a break to rest and reset and to be their best self. And at the end of the day, missing it helps. So often we hear from athletes who are forced to take a break due to a major injury and how they took their time at practice for granted and how much more focused they are when they're finally released from their injury and they're so excited to get back at it. What if we give ourselves that break instead and we allow ourselves to rest and reset, which not only really helps us avoid that injury that forces the break, but also creates the same situation where you're really excited to get back to work in January and you work a lot harder when you do come back. Not taking a break like this is a huge part of why we're seeing so many organizations promoting mental health awareness and more mental health resources and all of that. And I'm a big believer in that so much of the stress and the anxiety and all of that that athletes feel around this process can be lessened by telling you that it's okay to take a breath. Because resting while you're stressed out about not working is not truly resting and is not truly resetting. And sitting there while you're enjoying time with family and stressing out about like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna get home at 11.30 tonight and then I have to hit and I have to do this and I have to do that in the garage. Like that's not letting you reset and enjoy your family time. You're only a kid once. And softball and playing in college can be a huge part of your childhood and high school season of life. And that's totally okay, but it shouldn't be all you think about when you look back. Like when you're my age and you're, you know, 10 years out of college and you're looking back at your experience and growing up in your hometown and, you know, what you enjoyed and what you didn't, like, I want you to look back and love softball, but I also want you to look back and think about all the other memories you made with your friends and your family and all the other great things that were also part of your childhood. Like take the time to go ice skating with your friends or spend the day with your grandma baking and frosting cookies or whatever your holiday activities are. And maybe that Saturday you do a hundred dry swings that morning instead of spending an hour at the cage before you go spend the day at grandma's. So you're still getting your work in. You're still being productive. We're still being strategic with our work. And it's okay that you do that instead of going to a two hour practice before you go to grandma's to bake cookies. And you can absolutely balance still getting work in with being a kid. And I've had this conversation a lot with my pitching lesson students over the past week or so too. Many of them are really frustrated that their timing's a bit off. Maybe their pitches aren't as sharp as they want them to be, you know, whatever it might be. And my philosophy is really from Thanksgiving to New Year's, it's all about maintaining where you're at physically, right? And still putting work in and still working on that new curveball that we're trying to get a little bit sharper. You know, maybe you're working on heavy ball and leg drive and mechanics and, and whatever that might be. And if we can make small strides between Thanksgiving and New Year's, it's the off season for a reason. We don't need you guys to be in mid-season June shape in December. Because if you're in mid-season June shape in December, you're probably not going to be in mid-season June shape in June. 
because your body's going to be exhausted from the stress you're putting it under from all the extra reps, you know, whatever it is. Like this is the time of year where things aren't supposed to be perfect because you're not practicing as much as you are in mid-season June. So with all of that being said, I am a big practice what you preach person and will also be taking a step back around the holidays. I and my team are doing almost all of our planning for 2024 now at the beginning of December so that we can all take a breath around the holidays and enjoy time with our families too. So this is the last time you will hear my voice on the podcast for 2023. And our next podcast episode won't come out until mid-January. You won't see my face as often in the Facebook group. And really all of my focus is behind the scenes on our athletes. As far as what's to come for Diamond Dynamics and college planning in 2024, stay tuned for our third birthday celebration on January 6th, which is crazy that we've already been you know, helping athletes for three years and we've grown so much in those three years, which is really exciting. We're adding a monthly group call membership. So for those of you guys who don't really need the guidance and the hands-onness of the one-on-one program and are more like, give me a roadmap and let me go and do it. That's more what the group call membership is for. I'm super excited to share that with you guys in January. And we'll of course have more openings for 2025s through 2028s in our one-on-one in-depth college planning program. I've also still got a few days available for one-on-one meetings before Christmas if you want to chat to make a plan for next year, and I'll drop the link to register in the show notes for those. Other than that, I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you take a breath and enjoy your families and are being strategic about the work you put in and are working smarter versus harder.